0: You're on Twitter. I am on Twitter. Yes, I am. That is the thing that uh, that you're on. Not only on social media. That's the only thing. The only thing. you And you're also on Diet Sherwin, but... <laughs> I'm on that. I'm 100% on that. Cheerwine Zero, baby. Um, It's been very interesting when if you're on Twitter, uh, probably the last year, year and a half, just some of the things that have been going on um, in the SBC Southern Baptist Convention. Right. Um, largest convention largest denomination in the united states yep um you know there's more southern baptist churches than anything else obviously makes them the largest right and uh we've talked briefly about some other things that have come up that have kind of been around that but we never really talked about that specifically and i just thought it might be a good conversation because you know recently we became a non-denominational church um, right i grew up in denominational churches before um but you were when you took over this church before um, they were that. So it it stayed in that lane. And for a long period of time, that really didn't move the dial, Mm. you know? um, Mm. And, but we made a decision together to be like, Hey, you know, best time to cut bait is now than ever has been. Right. And just thought we'd say, could talk about some of the ridiculousness that's going on within that, how that affects the big church globally, Mm. um, how it, how it's viewed Mm. and just kind of some
1: of the, the thoughts we might have on that. Yeah, I mean, my heritage is Southern Baptist. I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. Southern Baptist church is. My father is a Southern Baptist pastor. Um, and even within the Southern Baptist convention, there's been uh, slight movements towards more moderate, towards some liberal, and now back more conservative. Some would say even fundamentalist. Um, there's been movements from Arminianism to Calvinism. Like, there's been all kinds of, of shifts within the convention over my lifetime. Um, the latest... I I would say dominant prevalent ideology within Southern Baptist life has developed into what I believe to be Christian nationalism what we've talked about that idea before um and it's it's almost uh instead of God and country it's almost country and God or the two become one uh most Southern Baptist churches you walk into on any given Sunday will have American flags uh, on their stage or in their worship center uh worship space in some place um and so there's been this almost uh um emerging of this nationalistic idea um this alignment with the Republican platform and this morphing of following Jesus into also uh, a national platform of political nature mm-hmm. and I think um, we began to see this focus on the family was one of those ministries that in its or in its infancy was designed on creating healthy families and there was a lot of great things done there and then they shifted and became really a political entity in a lot of ways they really began to push politics uh, Samaritan's Purse in the same way was uh, initially an aid organization and they do a fantastic job of aid and they do a lot of really good stuff But uh, Franklin Graham, as their leader, has become very politicized, very involved in the political stuff. Uh, All those things have ties to Southern Baptist life. And um, most recently, there was uh, a report that came out that was initiated a couple years ago on sexual abuse within Southern Baptist churches. And the idea that those in leadership in the Southern Baptist life knew about a lot of this abuse actually had spreadsheets and kept, you know, um, I would guess logs of people that had been accused, but didn't admonish churches from hiring these people. Um, there was a lot of situations within uh, Southern Baptist seminaries where young women were sexually abused, sexually assaulted, and approached leadership, and it was swept under the rug. Those women were intimidated and not given a voice for to to be able to uh, express themselves and to be able to find healing. It was almost always, uh, turned against those women. And there's a lot of hurt, a lot of abuse there. Uh, there was a report that came out that just highlighted all of that. Um, and some of the bellwether guys like Johnny Hunt, Paige Patterson, you know, those guys were named in that report. And so I think it's, you know, for us, we, we just saw that there was, um, the, the shift in the, in the Southern Matters Convention and the highlight of kind of what everything was going on in our culture, and there was a, a serious, I would say, uh, negative tone from all the communication coming out in those that were in power within Southern Matters Convention. Um, J.D. Greer was the president for a season there, um, and I felt like we were hopeful that things would turn. Uh, but they just really haven't turned, you know. Um, and so since he's stepped down, now the convention is kind of reset again, back to kind of its old older ways. And so I just, you know, for us it was we really believe in reconciliation from the racial side of what, and that the church should be leading that charge. And we just don't see that within the Southern Baptist convention. It's just not there in any, any, form in, of in fashion. any form yeah. or fashion. Yeah, right. right, um, right. Past, pastors like Dr. Charlie dates, mm-hmm. you know, taking his church yep. out of the Southern Baptist convention yep. for those very reasons. Uh, Dwight McKissick mm-hmm. is a, as a pastor, mm-hmm. uh, in Texas. And so he, he's kind of stayed there, but he's been very vocal, very vocal in, right. in, in, in his, um, uh, I guess displeasure with yeah. the way the convention has handled those issues. And so for us, it just became like, there there's no need for us to align ourselves with that organization in, in, in that it might hurt the ultimate mission and vision of what we believe we are as a church. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, my take has always been, this is what I've I've told people for uh, my whole ministry is, yeah, we're Southern Baptists, but we're more than that. We're scripture. We're biblical. And we want to be true to what scripture says the church should be. And if being Baptist ever got in the way of that, then we just wouldn't be Baptist anymore. And we got to that point. <laughs> and I think that that's what's so, <laughs> I mean, that's so. I just laugh because
0: so, I love when you're just so cut and dry, but if that, that's what it is. Like why, why pull punches? Like you're like, it, it, whatever becomes a barrier to something, you need to remove it. Right? Like that's what it is. Like they, you get, plaque and build up in your arteries yeah. and over time we can't see it and it causes a heart attack hmm. they go in and they remove it because it's a barrier to blood flow right it's a very bar- it's a barrier to being healthy right. and so i don't understand you know and, and i was talking <laughs> i was out with our, our friends brian and mary um that mary was on the podcast um uh a few episodes back about the when we talk about psychology and stuff like that. Right. And she was just like, Brandon, you don't get it just because you're logical. She's like, it's like, yeah, it's logical. Cause we were talking about this whole thing yeah. because she had brought up the, she had brought up something that uh, she had shown uh, that there was a video that was posted uh, that I guess one of these guys was named or it came out that he was at a church that, uh, that this lady was going to go and basically tell on him. Right. And so this Sunday, this is a video. Okay. He gets up and he says, hey, you know, 20 years ago, I made some mistakes. I had an affair and blah, blah, blah. And the lady stands up and she's like, no, I was 13. You abused me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But then she said, this is the crazy thing. The whole church wouldn't pray for him and want to offer him forgiveness right. and left her on the outside. Right. And that's been the same yep. thing. And to me, I was just like, that just makes no sense. He's like, of course, because you're you're being logical. Yeah. But I'm just like, to me, it's just like we're watching the SBC cannibalize itself hmm. and and destroy any credibility that it has with our culture and our world. And it just it just astounds me. Right. Like, because like the very thing you're supposed to be trying to be, which is salt and light you you're not like you're right. being poisoned in darkness. Yeah.
1: Well, and, the, so and the, this doesn't make any sense. And the Southern Baptist, as we're recording this, this, the Southern Baptist convention has been going on this week, uh the latest one where they elected new officers. And there was a lot of resolutions and there was some feel good stuff kind of on the surface, but in the, in the grand scheme of things, there were some things that went on that just kind of blew my mind. The tone deaf nature of <laughs> good word. um you know Rick Warren, pastor at Saddleback Church, one of the guys that we really admire a lot, just because of his humility and uh, longevity. Longevity, yeah, right? He's just been proven, yep. like that he is about Jesus, and just a lot of decisions he's made in his life. Anyway, I just really respect the man and the ministry that he's had, and so um, their church is a Southern Baptist church, um, and so but there was some debate because they actually ordained women for ministry, okay. and so the the Two thousand Baptist faith and message, which basically is the the mission statement, the belief statement for the convention, um, specifically intoned like in very specific details that the role of a pastor is only for men, mm-hmm. and so Rick Warren's church has not done that, and so there was some debate actually this time about actually kicking out the church, <laughs> Saddleback Church at the same time you're having to clean up and deal with this issue of how much you've abused women in the past. <laughs> and I'm just like really like you 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 just don't you just simply don't get it. Like you're so caught up in your dogma. <laughs> right. And 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 the southern, and being southern baptist. Like to me it, like the whole role of a convention of any, a gathering of any kind of churches to me is To make the movement of the overall church more powerful. Yes. That should be the only reason that churches get together, but it should be a very powerful reason that churches get together. You know, we partner with uh, Food for the Hungry for our mission stuff, um, and that's another entity, another arm of the church, and it's a partnership that we believe is very valuable for us and how we believe the church should be doing missions in a foreign perspective. Um, And so for us, we're, we're very powerful in our speech and in our actions about being a church in motion. And so for a while, there was opportunities within the Southern Baptist Convention to partner within the mission organizations where we were providing money, we were providing resources, we were partnering with groups like Baptist Men, which is a great you know, mission relief organization. Uh, but the truth is, in today's terms, we don't really need that partnership in order to accomplish the things that we feel like missionally our church should be doing. Mm-hmm. And so then you have to ask yourself, well, then what is the value mm-hmm. of this partnership? Is there a value, you know, that that would help move the dial for us to truly be the church that we feel like we're supposed to be? And it's just not. In um, matter of fact, because of the way they've handled a lot of these things at a leadership level, it's been it's been difficult for us to actually say we're Southern Baptist. It's actually getting in the way of reaching the people that we need to reach. And so why not? why not just make the decision to remove it? Because there's nothing inherent, ho- inherently holy about being Southern Baptist, about being PCA, about being Church of God of Prophecy, about being whatever denomination you're from. There's nothing inherently holy about those denominations. It's just that, hey, doctrinally some churches got together and said, hey, collectively, let's, let's be- we believe the same things, so let's pool our resources for some kind of purpose and mission within our community. And it's just funny to me that
0: over time, that tribe that you belong to, yeah, becomes more important than being a part of the tribe of Jesus hmm. um hmm. and I think that's what we started with was just like the whole nationalism thing, right like just the things that I've seen you know um seen happen and i and I think the the biggest thing that I keep hearing from people who I talk to, especially people who I respect that that kind of have their their finger on the pulse or of the culture or maybe are are around is that in this current context, I mean, men and women, people, humanity, we've always been thirsty for power. Right. Oh yeah. Um, Me, you and I always go back to the, to the garden because I always want to take people back there because a lot of times people think this is a children's story Hmm. or people just think it's fantasy. But the idea of Adam and Eve is a, is the story of mankind. Like it, it it is the beginning, but it also is the end, Hmm. right? That we, our lord lust desire control and power right that's what we want we right. don't want any other entity right the idea of adam and eve is is disregarding god and becoming god that's why so many religions and so many uh faiths want to promise you that you can become god right, right? that you and so hmm. we and then, and then and then we see that even in the secular like people who would be atheists they still want to be the Lord of their life. They still want to have power and autonomy and whatever thing gets you that that's the vehicle mm-hmm. because you got to remember, I mean, people don't remember cause they don't read their history, but there was a time where being in ministry brought you great power. Right, that that mm-hmm. the clergyman, oh, yeah. the clergyman was pretty much like the law and mayor and judge of his town, right? Yeah. Almost like being a sheriff back in the day, the, right? The
1: parish priest, yeah, was, like you yeah. just
0: yeah. like that was just that you were you were you were almost like a, a minor king yeah. in your community, mm-hmm. and so that that was great power in that, and so they, that's why religion was used poorly in that regard right. because. Power corrupts. Mm. And so back in the day, people were, you know, a lot of your people who were in politics were pastors. They mm. they did both roles. And so you don't realize that. Now that role has been diminished. That's been stripped away by what we've done and by what we haven't done. And now we want to hitch our wagon to what we believe is going to give us that power. Mm. And so those mm. denominations or those uh, beliefs they become even more central than the gospel. And I think that's what's just is so damning and alarming, right? Is that where, where my political allegiance flows, Mm -hmm. where my uh, tribal history flows is more important than the gospel. That's, that's what just blows me away because if it was the other way around, if it was the, if the, if the, if the cart was not ahead of the horse, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be seeing these things as well. Like people would just be like, I'm done yeah. with that. But like it's like what are we trying to save? Like the Baptists and uh, any other organization, like it's like you're almost like, what are you trying to save face for? Like you need to blow it all up. Like it's clear as day. like you need to you should have cut bait a long time ago. Yeah. So restoration can happen.
1: Like you have the blueprint, but what what are you waiting for? Well I think that the Southern Baptist Convention we know it was founded on uh the the preservation of of slavery and the idea that from the pulpit, pastors would actually, you know, justify slavery, right? And and you know, that's a horrible heritage to right. have. So you got to do a lot of work to to get beyond that. Which they have which that's another story that they've tried not to do. Which they really I know I know none. I know. It's crazy. Right. So Once for again, it's crazy. For me, I, I've always struggled with with the whole uh, the how people were enamored with with bat with like the denomination correct and the way for those who know, who don't know there is the southern baptist convention which is the national convention and then each state has its own baptist state convention mm-hmm. so we we in north carolina we're in the baptist state convention of north carolina and so the money that we used to give to the to the denomination would go to our local convention mm-hmm. and then a portion of that they would send up to the national convention but Baptist life has always been the autonomy of the local church was big. In other words, the denomination really doesn't control anything that we do or say within our local, they don't own our building and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's total autonomy. Um, and, but the, the one power that the convention had was we can disfellowship you. Right. So that's what they tried to do to Salabat church recently. We're going to disfellowship you. We're going to kick you out. You're no longer affiliated with us. Um, and so what I, what I don't understand is that, um how how we are still in a situation where the the overwhelming majority of southern Baptist churches are not even attempting multiculturalism it's not even on their radar they're not thinking about it they're not working towards it there there's no effort towards it at all um based on and, and if you knew the history of the southern Baptist convention um you would think that that if nothing else, out of a sense of, man, we shouldn't have done that, that should make you think about, well, what am I doing today to break down those barriers? But you and I, along with our staff, just read this book by Darwin Gray, about How to Build a Multi-Ethnic Church. And so when you, when you read that book and you study Scripture, you can't help but think that one of the primary things the church should be doing is pursuing with a passion uh, being multi-ethnic. Because if you're not, you're really not representing the full gospel you're you're cheapening the gospel because the gospel tears down walls. And so if we're not working towards that and if denominationally there's not from a leadership down there's not an intentionality about that um then then that's not something that I think a church should that we should be a part of and align ourselves with because just organizationally there's just zero effort in doing that. You know, I mean we've talked about this at our state level there's actually a, a an African American staff member with the state convention whose whose job it is is to do african-american church planting um and you and i have have like both had conversations with him before we ever met each other mm-hmm. and came away with the same idea the same the and just was yeah, why fr- do you have a job why do you even have a job why are we doing that right why are we just planting churches under a multi-ethnic vein and the more i talked to this guy the more he, he just said well this is it just won't work you can't do that you know um, and he just began to talk about all the reasons why it just wasn't possible. Um, and th- that's just like, for me, it's been these little things along the way that has just kind of built up to ultimately the point of, yeah, I just don't want to consider myself Southern Baptist. Like, but even I-
0: when, even when Beth Moore was trying to bring these things up a few years ago, right? she got ostracized and basically ran out. Like they, they basically ran her out of the way. Yes, And, a lot of times, what's sad is that these things end up ha- coming true, like mm. what we saw with uh, with Willow Creek with the with the rumors. And the undertones and the and the and the John Orton burns people like that who would say some different things right but then it comes out
1: to be true Russell right? Moore the guy who, who wrote about the who's on SBC <laughs> he wrote all the ethical stuff right he's a brilliant scholar Correct. brilliant uh, Correct. Uh, biblical scholar um, and he just left because he's just like you, you got you just guys you just don't get it like, and
0: what's crazy that you have these big you have these people like that but then you don't see why sweeping change like yeah. that's the thing I'm talking about that just blows my mind is that over the last couple of years you go back and look some heavy hitters mm. some people who've been had a lot of influence a lot of resource uh, had given a lot when they just say I'm out right. like you would think that would spur on a lot of others and then to the point we talked about early on this is the these, these are what makes up most of our churches in the US yeah. like this is what they most churches would say that they're part of this organization and then it's just like to me like what are you throwing away your witness for? Like that's that's like at the end of the day, like I just, I just have a hard time with that. Like I just have a hard time with that because it just doesn't make any sense. Because it, it goes against your purpose. Like you're try, yeah. you're supposed to be trying to accomplish something, but you're getting in the way of that. Yeah. So then, what is the point of you even existing? Like, because basically, the way you're doing things now, you're not going to be able to continue on doing the mission because you're not going to exist. Right. So like, why would you're fighting? for something that's not going to be sustainable. Mm -hmm. So then what are you fighting for? And then if you're resisting change, the change you're resisting is the only change that can save you and save some credit or allow you to start rebuilding credit. So it just doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense at all. Like, and that's why I just think it's just, and then not only does it not make any sense to me, it becomes senseless because then you see on Instagram and Twitter and these places, these people, they're basically almost I don't know what the word might be, but they're they're almost still celebrating some of their staunchness, right? They're they're oh, they're yeah. almost they're almost saying like, well, we're just being attacked, like 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 when the Bible says, oh, "Blessed yeah, are you that, persecuted." Like they're almost using like they're just, Circling oh, the you wagons, know man. these these liberals or this, oh, they're coming at yeah. us, or we got protected, or this is what we knew. That's like, no, you're just wrong. Like the stance you're taking is just wrong. Right. Like it's not okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not it's not okay. Like I heard some inflammatory statements that were made at a Christian thing that I sent you about AR-15s. Right. Like it's just you're tone deaf. Yeah. Like we just had these mass shootings, mm-hmm. and you want to make a joke about this? Like right. that's that's not, that's that's tasteless. Yeah. Like I don't care what you are. Like you don't have to be a believer. It's offensive. Right. It's like how 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 do we think that we that you know we can be offensive on these things that we should be repenting for and should have shame with. Like, we should be realizing that, no, I'm not for that. Hmm. Like, I'm not a about that like like I'm, I'm about i'm about i'm about life mm-hmm. i'm about what is important to protect life and, I, and here's the thing i don't get when did christianity become about my needs only like when i look at christianity it's not about me at all no. like 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 because I I, I I i you can't tell me what to do with my guns you can't tell me what to do with my 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 you can't tell me how to wear my mask right. you can't tell me what to do with anything like we we've gotten that posture right mm-hmm. and where does that come from like where is that at in scripture what's about you? I'm just saying if we're going to call ourselves Christians, like it's 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 always been about what's been best. Like it was not it was not in Jesus' best interest to suffer for you right. and to be beaten for you mm-hmm. and to bleed out and die on a cross for you. It wasn't in his best interest, but that's what he did. And then he says, "Deny yourself and follow me." They, they will know by your love that you're mine. And so I don't I don't see any love coming from the the largest denomination in the U.S. I don't see any love coming from these people on Instagram and on Twitter and on social media. I don't see any love when they're talking about what they're not going to give up because it's impeding upon their rights. Right. What rights? Your American rights? Mm. Because I thought that you were supposed to not be of this world, right? You wear the T-shirt, right? That was real cool back in 98 and 2001. Right. But are you living it out?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I have—I uh, was involved for a little bit in the denominational the leadership locally at our state. <laughs> yes, you were as a <laughs> as a consultant, uh, church a consultant. So I got on this team um, because I had led a church through yes. change and revitalization. They wanted people who had kind of done that to be on this team to go and coach other pastors. It's a great idea, and so it's a great idea. I loved it. I love doing it because I love other pastors. I yep. love trying to help other guys. Um, I built some good relationships doing it. Um, but the, just developed a, just like an internal distaste and just, just frustration. I mean, there's some really good people there of course, at the convention, but for me, it was just the convention. It just, it's just not moving. It's not moving forward. um, and this idea of reviled church revitalization was the buzzword for a while there. And it was really big on China. And the reality is that as I began to do this work across the state and meet with other pastors who were pastoring churches who needed to change because they were going to die if they didn't. Um, and then the pastors had zero power to influence change in their churches because of the, of the, the structure, the ecclesiology of the church, the way the church was the power structure within the church. And just seeing the reluctance of, of pastors to actually push and try to lead through change and do the difficult thing because ultimately the mission of, well, of the church was just really struggling and dying and and the, and the just retreading of all the stuff and the protection of the sacred cows within the convention and it was just this, this organization it just it just refuses to move forward. Uh, and the life cycle of an organization, We, if you've studied anything about leadership, you know what that is. And I can clearly see where the convention is on that life cycle. You know, And they've, they've got a means-in-inversion. They're in that means-in-inversion where th- they originally gathered for this purpose. It was beautiful, this idea. They developed means to accomplish that. And now they're in love with those. They're actually worshiping those means instead of saying, okay, well, this program's not working. This program's not working. Let's get rid of that. Let's get rid of this. Right. Because they don't, you know, it's just a So to me, like the whole thing just needs to be burned down. 100%. I mean, if it was up to me, I know that sounds harsh. It sounds horrible. But because I think there are people that are in love more with being Baptist than they are in love with following Jesus, that's why I think it needs to be burned down. Because I think if it was taken away, all they would have would be Jesus. And that's really all you need. And ultimately for us as church leaders, all we need is the gospel. All we need is the text. Mm -hmm. And we can go make church, par- church partnerships with whoever we want to make partnerships with. If there are like-minded churches that want to partner with us on any kind of thing going on, we would love to do that. If there are pastors from any walk of denomination of Christianity that wants to come and get help and, and wants to come and partner and maybe even get some coaching or coach us, help us, whatever, we, don't, we would love to do that. And we don't need a denomination to facilitate that. All we need is scripture and all we need is Jesus.
0: Thanks again for checking out this week's episode of At the Table with Paul and Brandon. Be sure that you like and subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode. We'll see you then.